Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. What a privilege it is to be in this church. Amen. What a privilege it is to serve under the leadership of Pastor Simon and Lindy Lerifala. I travel all over South Africa, and this is a great church, man. We are in a great church. (laughs) Today, we're going to continue on the series of DNA, the values we live by. And today, we're going to be speaking about the Word of God. The Word of God, the Scripture, the Bible. I was going to have a massive Bible kind of thing going on here, and I thought, Belinda, just rein it in. Rein it in, Belinda. Um, But just wait, wait, something's coming. And um, I've chosen the title today, Don't Leave Your Bible on the or Don't Leave Your Bible App Closed. Don't leave your Bible app closed. Don't leave your Bible on the shelf. Because the goal of this entire message, my friends, is that we read our and we live our more importantly. This is my mum, and there's a photo of my sister and myself. We didn't have many photos back then, unlike today, so it's all I could find. But my mum was a Christian, and at the age of five years old, I gave my life to Jesus. My mom was one of those people that, you know, do not forget, forsake the gathering of the saints. So I spent half my childhood actually in church. Uh, I remember a blanket and my sister and I were there and we were in church, in church, in church, 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 church. So every Sunday morning and evening, we would uh, go to church twice a week. Every single Sunday, we would go to church, rain, shine, sick, health, go to church because do not forsake the gathering of of the brethren. And um, I remember it was a small church about 100 or 120 people, I've got, a, I've got a distinct core memory of that church. The inside of the building, there were wooden pews, and there was an aisle, it was red, and the pastor said, who wants to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior? And I walked up the aisle, I remember it so clearly, I kneeled before the altar, and in my five-year-old self, I gave my life to Jesus. And from then onward began the journey of getting to know Christ, my Savior, my Lord, and learning about Him through His Word. And I can remember as a, as a, as a kid, the, the, the people that marked, and, and that marked me the most in terms of teaching me about the Bible were my His Kids teachers, Sunday school teachers. Shout out for Sunday school teachers, right? If you don't know what to do, if you don't know what to do and how to serve in this church, go teach the kids teach the future generation. And it was things like, you know, they would use any means. They would use songs. It's okay. We have a family. They would use songs. They would use um, competitions. I'm quite competitive. I love those. Learn the words and you got candy or whatever. Um, They would learn, use puppet shows. I mean, anything to make it sticky. I'm just going to speak louder because I can't. Anything to make it sticky so that we remember the words. And songs like, Jesus loves me. Come on, Father, tells me so. Little ones to Him belong. They are weak, but He is strong. Yes. You get the point, right? Jesus. And I can't get you to stop. 
but I've got 40 minutes. Why? The Bible tells me so. Come on. Simple songs, but powerful songs. What does that song tell you? What that song tells you? That Jesus loves me. Jesus loves you. Pretty much is the message of the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation is that Jesus loves us and he wants a relationship with us. Jesus loves me, this I know. We would, uh, as my teenage years, we would go to Wednesday night Bible study and Wednesday night Bible study involved books like the Purple Book where we would take all these books. It was pretty much like uh, study books. Bible, 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 Bible. We would share what we think. We would learn together and then we'd discuss it. The one that is burnt in my brain, in my memory, was the little booklet on faith by Kenneth, um, Kenneth Hagen. There we go. I remember the colors. I remember it. And it was Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is. When is faith? Manje. Now faith is. This no, right? Faith is now. It is the substance, substance of things hopeful. You need an environment of hope for faith to come up and the evidence of things not seen. So it's the evidence, but you can't see it. But it's the evidence of things not seen. And scriptures like that, you know, it just, it, 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 there were seeds planted in my heart, seeds planted in me. So here we have church, the awesomeness. God loves you. You're amazing. You, you've got greatness in you, go and change the world. And then on this side, Monday morning was real life, real life. My mom was, uh, uh, she grew up in an orphanage and it was rough. It was a, not a great orphanage. I, I don't know many orphanages. She, it wasn't havens. It wasn't baby havens and child havens. So she brought a lot of stuff with her, you know, and she did the best she can. And she taught me Jesus, the best thing ever. But our family life wasn't great. It was dysfunctional, and there were challenges, and my, my dad was absent. My mom raised us as a single, single mom, and so I remember feeling like there's all this awesomeness, but how do I get it in my real life? Because I feel lonely, and I feel confused, and I, I've got identity issues, and you know, I, I feel unworthy, and I feel alone a lot, because I was alone a lot. I had to figure stuff out by myself. And what we are going to be speaking about is the power of the word, the power and the word that is alive in our hearts. But how do we take that word and how do we get that life inside of us? And how do we live by the power of the word? Because it's easy in church, yeah? But not always as easy in real life. And that is what we're going to talk about today. Let's pray. Father, your word says that blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that springs forth its fruit in season. Its leaf does not wither, and in everything he does prosper. We pray that you open our ears to hear, open our eyes to see, open our mind to understand, and awaken our hearts afresh to who you are, to the power of, of your word in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Can we stand as we read the word this morning? Amen. We're going to use the text 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 17. And we're going to hang around in this text pretty much uh, for the whole morning. But as for you, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, and he's speaking to his spiritual son, Timothy, and he's in jail. 
Uh, he's probably been chained like a criminal. This is his last days, weeks, months. He knows that he's probably going to be executed by the Emperor Nero because that's what they were doing. They were executing Christians for their faith. And so this is the Apostle Paul. He's writing letters to his son, Timothy. And this is what, what he says. I'm just going to go one quickly. Okay, now. Okay. Let's go back. One more, okay. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. You can just listen because it's quite long. Yeah. Or do you want to? Let's do it together. Let's do it together. Here we go. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing, keep going. Amen. You may sit down. To Timothy, thank you. Thank you, Quinton. So the Apostle Paul is speaking to his spiritual son whom he loves, the Bible says. And as I said, it was his last, um, it, it was, uh, he, was, he was about to die. He wasn't sure exactly when, but he was pretty sure he was about to die. So these were weighty words, right? These were weighty words. My mom passed away last year. And before she kind of went into a coma with the morphine, etc., she she said, Belinda, I love you. The four words, but whew, those four words, man, that carries with it your whole life yeah. from your mother who named you. DNA. She says, Belinda, I love you. Don't forget. And this is the Apostle Paul, and he's speaking to Timothy, whom he loves. He loves. This is a real human being. He's about to die for the gospel, and he's writing these letters, and, this is, and, and that is what he says. So point one, he says, continue. Continue, Timothy. Stay. Remain. Continue with the sacred writings. Don't move on from here. Verse 13 says, while evil men and imposters go on, they go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. They go on to their truth. They go on to what they think. But he says, not you, Timothy, not you, Timothy, even though the times are hectic and rough and you're probably going to die for your faith, continue, remain, stay in these secret, sacred writings and remember, know from whom you learnt it. He's speaking about his mother and his grandmother, Eunice and Lewis, who taught him in the sacred writings. And the Apostle Paul is reminding Timothy to stay, to continue, to remain in the Word of God, the Word of God that is alive and the Word of God that brings life. Amen, church. The next point, oh, that's my mum's Bible. Okay, I need to figure this out. It's just left and right. It's not that difficult. <laughs> this is my mum's Bible. That's my mum's Bible. And she loved her Bible. And she read her Bibles every single day. And when she passed, you know, I said to my sister, I, I want one of these Bibles. It would be my most treasured possession as I remember my mum. As she reads the words of life. And she lived the words of life. She loved the unloved. You know, funeral weren't famous people. They were people that nobody sees, actually. They were people that people forget about. But my mom ministered and loved them. Isn't that amazing? I didn't even know so many things, um, so many people that she had ministered to. 
So number one was, as you continue in what you have learnt and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learnt it and how your ch from your childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, number one, continue. Number two, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So Timothy, continue remaining these sacred writings because when you read these writings, when you continue, when you remain, when you meditate, when you live the Bible, the scripture, the sacred writings, which is the Holy Bible, that's normally my mom recovered it, um, but it's the Holy Bible, right? The Holy Sacred Bible. When you read this, it has the ability to make you wise for salvation through Jesus Christ. Faith increases as you read your Bible. How does faith come? By hearing and hearing the Word of God. By hearing, not by multitasking, but actually listening and hearing. So if you're on your phones on social media, Put it down. Hear the word of the Lord because that is how faith in Jesus Christ arises. Want faith? Read your Bible. Okay, point two. It makes you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus because all scripture is breathed out by God. All scripture is breathed out. There's life. There's life in it. It's breathed out by the Holy Spirit who gives life. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says that the Holy Bible, the Word of God, is living and active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to division of soul and of spirit and of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. This Bible, this Bible has a lot of life in it, my friend. This Bible will transform you. It will change you. From the inside out, it will renew your mind. That's what the Bible says it does. It renews our mind. It changes our thinking patterns. Now, a question that many of you may ask, and many people do ask it, and it's not a bad question, is, is the Bible true? What is the reliability of Scripture? Because you're saying all these amazing things, but is the Bible true? I'm going to read from Josh McDowell. It says, while young people may be willing to believe that Christianity offers a truth, they are not convinced that it is the truth, the only hope for salvation and relationship with the God of the universe. Also, they are not trying to understand the objective truth of God's word and live out that truth in their lives. Therefore, instead of applying scriptural truth to their lives, kids, I would say adults today, all people today in all the world are using scripture merely as a springboard for thought as they attempt to create their own personal meaning. And you and I see it. You and I see it in Hollywood. We see it in social media. We see it in the people that we influence. We see it in the songs that people sing, like Beyonce and Taylor Swift and Ed Sheeran, etc., etc. that they may use a topic like love. And, and they use the biblical principle of love as a springboard to create their meaning, their truth. It's my truth. This is what love means to me but it's not the objective truth of the word. We see it, right? All over, everywhere. You see it in culture where people are taking the principles of the Bible. It's a big thing on social media. Uh, psychologists are a big thing in social media. Everything they talk about is biblical principles that they're creating their meaning and their truth with. He continues on to say, by examining the evidence about God and his word, we can determine beyond a reasonable doubt that his claims are objectively true. Christianity is a uniquely factual truth based on indisputable facts. 
But no matter how thoroughly convincing the evidences are, we must still exercise faith, because it is faith is the evidence of things ultimately not seen. Jesus invited Doubting Thomas to exercise faith, but it was not, not a blind faith. It was an informed faith. He said, look at the scars on my hands, supported by evidence. Scholars determine the reliability of ancient manuscripts mainly in two ways. They look at how many manuscripts are available, and in the universities and libraries throughout the world, there are 25,000 manuscripts of the New Testament available. You know, we look in history books and we look at people like Plato and, and the things that we learn in history, often there's like seven, nine, 15,000, maybe 50 manuscripts that we now call history and truth and fact. But there are 25,000 manuscripts, ancient manuscripts, all over the world in universities today of the New Testament. Um, in, from 1947, it was known as the Dead Sea Scrolls. A shepherd one day discovered some manuscripts, some scrolls, and it was, it was 223, about 223, and, those, and that was the Old Testament. It was the manuscripts of the Old Testament known as the Dead Sea Scrolls. And when they compared the ancient manuscript to the Hebrew Bible of today in the Old Testament, they found that it was accurate. There were a few spelling errors, a few grammar errors apparently, but the meaning was completely accurate. So even though we speak about a faith, it's actually not a blind faith. And there's actually so much evidence, you know, of the Word of God. The other one is the time difference between the original text and the earliest copies. And uh, an example, and there's so many, I've just literally sprinkled a few on you today, um, is that in, in the Ryland Library in Manchester, there, there is a book of John. The book of John is there, and the, the manuscript. And it is a mere 50 years from the original manuscript, from when John penned that original manuscript. Amazing, eh? Yeah, yeah. No other book has been so widely distributed in so many languages. In all of history, the Bible is by far the most widely referenced and quoted book. For example, the New Testament alone is quoted in the ancient manuscripts of non-biblical authors, not the Bible, so much that all 27 books from Matthew to Revelation could be reconstructed virtually word for word from these sources. Since the, time, since the time the original manuscripts were written, skeptics have tried to refute the Bible, stamp it out, and dictators, secular society have tried to ban it or burn it, but the Bible, God's word, has not only prevailed, but it is proliferated. The Bible is spread, and is spreading all over the world. And he's spreading in countries that, that are banning the Bible. I've got a friend right now, she's in, in one of those, um, she's literally there right now, and she's just sending me WhatsApp messages of miracle and miracle and miracle and miracle in one of these places in the Middle East of what the Lord is doing. Revival is happening. It's just incredible. 1 Peter 2 verse 24 says, the, Lord, the word of the Lord will last forever, friends. The word of the Lord will last forever. As you read this word, as you read this to your children, as you dedicate your children and what you read over them, the word of the Lord in their hearts will last forever and ever and ever and ever and it will proliferate in your own life as you read this word of God because it's alive. God's word is alive. So all scripture is breathed out by God, and I'm going to ask Gracie to come up, please. Is breathed out by God, and it is profitable. All scripture is breathed out by God, by the Holy Spirit. 
It's alive as we read it. It is power in the word to transform us. And it is profitable for us. This is good, right? Yeah. We're in the society of success. <laughs> Everything we need to be, you know. Um, but the Bible says that Scripture, the Holy Bible, the sacred writings which are breathed out by God, which gives you life, it's profitable. Profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness. So let's look at the first one. It's profitable for teaching. Now, meet Anne. Anne is uh, new in the Lord, and she is learning about God. She's just given her heart to the Lord. She's learning about God, and she's, how do we learn? If you want to become a doctor, what do you study? Medicine. And you study medicine to become a? Doctor, right. So the Word of God is profitable for teaching. It's for teaching us. And so as Gracie, she's learning and as she's teaching, she's been taught by the Word and she's reading her Bible. And one of the things that Gracie has been struggling with her whole life is from that song, um, Don't Shoot Me Down, but from that's not, that's not the song. From the song, the Barbie song that Billie Eilish sang, which was, What was I made for? What was I made for? Do you guys know that song? It was sung in the Barbie movie. What was I made for? You know, and as, as I listened to that song when Billie Eilish released it, I just heard a whole generation throughout the world, young and old actually, young and old, whether you're millennial, Gen Z, Gen, you know, every Gen, crying out, What was I made for? I believe that's one of the reasons that song is so popular, because it hits something. It's hit something in our hearts. And as, as Anne is struggling through this, what was I made for? She looks up Psalm 139, which says, I formed you, I shaped you. I knew you from your mother's womb. I know you, I see you, I knit you together. I love you, you are my child. You are called. You have an incredible future. You are not worthless. You are amazing. I love you with an everlasting love. In fact, I love you so much, I gave, you, I gave my son to die on the cross so that you would live and that you would not die. And what the Bible is doing, it's teaching an identity. It's teaching who she is. And in this, what was I made for is, what is my purpose? You know, what is my purpose? Big buzzword. What do I do? What do I do with my life? What is my purpose? Well, Read your Bible and you'll find out. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, it's in you. The Bible tells us that you were called for a reason. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Tell people who I am. Live your life in such a way that people will see and know and find purpose. Find, find their, their God. You are, a, you are a royal priesthood and you are a holy nation. You're part of a holy nation. I've called you out to be mine for my glory. You are amazing. Teaching. You are young. You're going to want to marry one day, Anne. Don't have sex before marriage. Don't fall over that cliff. Teaching. Don't do it. It's not good for you. Don't sit and watch Netflix all day long. You're never going to find your purpose. And in fact, what you're going to do if you sit on social media and scroll, you're going to start feeling worthless, Anne, because, because they show the best part of themselves. I'm on social media. I do it too. And so you look at everybody else's life and you think, oh my goodness, my life's awful. It's so ordinary. Right? The Bible is to teach us, no, no, no. Watch your time. Be intentional about your time, Anne. What are you going to be doing? Where are you getting your influence from? 
The Bible is profitable for teaching. The Bible is profitable for reproof and meets a guy, he's cool, his name's Sipo. He's like, mm-hmm, you know, there's possibilities here. Um, so she reads her Bible, and her Bible says that you need to be equally yoked. She goes, tick, he's a Christian, we're going in the same direction, etc. They go for movies one night, uh, then go for dinner, and then afterwards, Sipo goes, why don't you come to my place and chill? Let's have some coffee on the couch. One cup of coffee, two cup of coffees, three cup of coffees. They're getting real relaxed, chilled, right? And the Bible is profitable for reproof. One thing leads to another, and reproof comes, conviction comes, and it looks something like this. Don't do it. Don't do it, Grace. Uh, Anne. <laughs> Don't do it, Anne. <laughs> Gracie didn't do it. That's why I didn't use her name. Don't do it, Anne. Because sex is preserved for the marriage covenant. And there's blessing in it. And you're going to hurt yourself. Your soul is going to shatter in pieces. You're going to jump over that cliff. Don't do it. A few minutes go by, and maybe reproof looks something like this. Stop! Don't do it! Stop! That comes next. (laughs) Stop! You got it. Um, And then... It's profitable for correction. How do we correct? You said it. Run. Flee. Run. Go, 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 go. Run, 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 run. Flee from useful lusts. And don't do it. It's going to hurt you. It's going to harm you. It's going to break your soul. And then we're going to patch it up and we can patch it up. And we will. And, and forgiveness is there. But don't do it. It's for your own good. <laughs> So correction is you, you're going in one direction and you turn around and you start doing things differently. Get off that Netflix, get off that social media, um, start spending time with friends. You know, somebody asked me, um, we had some missionaries over this week, and they asked me like, what did you guys do for rest? And I thought, mm, we didn't rest, there was revival when I was like 20 and I was part of every nation that was called these people and we were literally doing souls and I was like, what did we do for self-care and rest? I mean, we hung out with friends, we chatted, we fellowshiped. I mean, I'm, I'm old, so there was, I mean, my 50s, there was no cell phone, there was no Netflix, there was no, we just didn't do any of that stuff. But we rested with people, really, you know what I mean? We, ch- we chilled, we had coffee, we chatted. Just interesting times, right? It's a complex times right now. And I'm struggling with the same things you are struggling. Get off that social media and turn around and correct your ways. You feeling worthless? Correct your ways. Remind yourself, remind yourself, remind yourself, Timothy, of the teachings of your mother and your grandmother or your pastor or your Sunday school teacher. Remind yourself as you read this word who you really are, that you are bought with a price, that you are royalty, that you are amazing. You may look different. I need to lose about five kilograms, but it's not going to define me. Do you know what I mean? Correct your ways. Change. You were going in one direction. Stop. Run. Do whatever it takes. Correct your ways. So all scripture is profitable for correction. And then all scripture is profitable for training in righteousness. Now Anne is training. She's training in righteousness. They go out for coffee. They go out for movies. And they go out for, sorry, they go out for movies. They go out for dinner. Then they go out for coffee at a coffee shop. 
Hang out with friends. She's training in righteousness. It's everyday life. It's everyday life that these things apply. She is training in righteousness. Yes. Keep training. As she's training, <laughs> she can. She can. As she's training, she's getting stronger. As she's training, she's getting stronger. As she's training, when somebody ticks her off, she's able to exercise self-control now. You know, she's not getting so angry. Angry at everything. She's training in righteousness. She's walking in purity. When she's getting offended, she's forgiving. She's training in righteousness every day. She's training in righteousness. What does training look like? Romans 12 verse 2, which is my daughter's favorite scripture. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may be able to ascertain what the good and the perfect and the acceptable, acceptable will of the Lord is. She's training for righteousness. And why is she doing this? Because the Bible says that as we read the word, it renews our minds, right? And what we think matters. Why is it that what we think matters? Because what we think, so we become, as the Bible tells us and every other psychologist you see on social media. Actions don't come out of nowhere, but they flow from our thoughts. And thoughts turn into beliefs, which turn into actions, which turn into habits, which turn into our entire lives. So what we think matters. And as she's training in righteousness, she's renewing her mind, and she's tra being transformed from the inside out so that what she thinks matters. Because as I wake up in the morning, what I think matters, what am I going to do with my time? Who am I going to bless? What am I going to do with my money? What we think matters. Okay, next point is she's training in righteousness. Next point that the man and the woman, that denotes male and female, if you look in the Greek, whoop, that the man and the woman may be complete and equipped for every good work. And if she's reading her, her Bible, she knows that it's not good works that lead you into to salvation, but God does require us to do good works, to live life with intentionality. So she's not going to hit anybody, just relax, okay? But as she's doing that, what is training in righteousness that, that the man and the woman of God may be complete? and equipped for every good work. Equipped for good deeds looks, looks like this. Dave and Caroline, 20 years ago, starting heavens, child heavens, baby heavens, to teach them about Jesus, to give them a home, to give them a place. That's what equipped for every good deed looks like. Equipped for every good deeds, you can keep going. She's releasing, she's being equipped for every good deeds. It looks like my husband in business and Prof. Vili um, taking this, vision of lighting up Africa, it's a big vision, through this thing called a power brick um, that works like Lego, that they can bring economic transformation in Africa at the same time as bringing spiritual transformation in Africa. That's what it looks like. You and your workplace, every good deeds. It looks like Lemo serving week in and week out in Mpo at the sound desk so that you can actually hear me and we can worship together. Train for every good week. Trained for every good works looks like parents bringing your child to be dedicated. <laughs> this is going to turn into mayhem. Um, <laughs> bringing your child to be dedicated and then doing the work on yourself to be an example of what it looks like to be like Jesus in your home. Lewis and Eunice, right? 
Equipped for every good deed looks like love, loving the unloved, loving our neighbors. I'm so sorry. If you get hit, you get a free copy. No, no. <laughs> Grace, you need to be more, I mean, and you need to be more strategic here. <laughs> Training for every good works looks like waking up on a Monday morning and going, I work again. No. No, maybe I need to go back to rethink, yeah. to, to, back to the Bible, because what am I doing even on this earth, you know? It says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I, I struggle, I have struggled with depression, and I'm not making light of it, but I also know in my struggle what I need to do, and that's why I love worship and praise, because it says, put on the garment of praise for the garment of heaviness. There are solutions that God has given us, he teaches us, he disciples us, he reproves us, he convicts us, he, he does the things, right? To teach us how to live so that the word that is alive and is active and it's breathed out by the Holy Spirit comes and impacts our hearts and changes us from the inside out. This is alive, guys. It's the breath of God on these pages and it is power, power to transform your lives, power to transform my life. Thank you, Anne. <laughs> give her a hand, give her a hand. <laughs> so in closing, we're going to read what the Bible does again. But as for you, Timothy, as for you, church, continue what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom your grandmother, your mother, Lewis and Eunice, you have learned it. And now from your childhood, you've been acquainted, you've been around the sacred writings, the Holy Bible, the scripture, which is able, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus, because all scripture is breathed out by God. There's not one word that is not breathed out by God, all scripture. In fact, in the Old Testament, there were these guys called the Sophorims, and they were trained, they were Jewish scholars, their whole job was to copy the manuscripts of the Bible letter by letter. They apparently were not allowed to do anything from memory. They had to go letter by letter. Can you imagine uh, the Old Testament? Um, and it is profitable. It is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness so that the man and the woman of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Amen. Amen. We're going to take communion, and Pastor Simon is going to lead us in, in communion. And I wanted to give you a very practical example of what it looks like to take the word and apply it in our everyday life. Because it's in the everyday life that things matter, yeah. right? When you're just with you and your child, or just in the workplace, you're having issues person feels impossible, what do you do? How do you, how do you get the word of God that's on the pages, the holy writings, the sacred writings, that the word that the Bible says is alive and that the Holy Spirit breathed on? How do we get it inside of our own hearts and how do we get it to be alive and active and working in our own life? Because when we do that, it doesn't just impact our own lives, it impacts the environment environments around us and it impacts generations to generations to generations the fact that my mom took me to church and I spent all of my life in church um, but she took me to church and she introduced me to Jesus actually changed my entire life 
Even when I was a kid, there were, there were seeds that were being sown in my life that I didn't realize. And it only kind of saw the growth much, much, much later. Um, but that had an impact on my life, which literally changed everything. It changed what I decided to do with my whole life. It changed who I married. It changed where I lived. It changed how we give as a family, Doreen and I. It changed where we took our kids to school, how we raised them. Um, it, ch it changed literally everything about our, my whole life. Uh, because at the age of 19, I kind of got real serious with God and He grabbed a hold of me. And it changed everything. And now we can, I can take that and give what, what I've been given, the little that my mom gave, was bigger in my life and I can take it and I can take it to my children. We're at my daughter's uh, 21st two weeks ago. She can stand up and say Romans 12 verse 2 is her favorite verse. She, she, it, it has the ability to change. It has the ability to change South Africa, friends. Johannesburg. It has the ability. So we're going to go into communion now and I've used a method called, it's, it's not called anything, it's five Ps. Basically, and I want you when, you, when you, when you start Monday morning and you do your devotion and you start reading the word, we did it today. We prayed, we read a passage, we took a part out of the passage, we, we looked at the principle, what is the point of this? Um, and then we asked the question, how does it apply practically to our life? And everything that you read, you can use just this little tool. It can be a five minutes, it can be a 30 minutes, it can be three hours, it can be, I've done it all. I've done it all where I've had a little time, I've had a lot of time, I've made time. Sometimes I should have made time and I didn't make time. But where we use this tool really to read through the Bible in your devotions and start applying it and live the Bible every day of your life. And, and I challenge you, you're going to see the difference. Because I've seen the difference in my life. Um, when I've done it a lot and when I've done it a little, I've seen the impact of it. But as we read the Bible, the seeds will be sown. The seeds will be sown and they will grow. In Jesus' name, amen. In the spirit of uh, prayer, in this moment of uh, reading the word, let me remind you what John chapter 1 verse 1 says. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word of God is God himself. So when we read the Word, we encounter God, we meet with God. So when we take communion this morning, I want you to rededicate yourself to the Word of God. Rededicate yourself to connecting with God through His Word. Based on what Belinda shared with us this morning, I pray that we will see the power that is in the Word to transform us, to change us first and foremost, before we can change our communities, our societies. So we're going to give you time to read the scripture. If you can go back to that scripture, take that scripture, read it slowly in your Bible or on the screen. If you can put it up on the screen. Esha, if you can put up that scripture on the screen, take time to read that scripture and see what God is saying. And based on this tool, what is God pointing on the scripture? before you take communion. And then what we're going to do is we're also going to examine ourselves before we take communion. So we don't want to rush this moment. We'll give you time to be with Jesus, read the scripture slowly, and see what is pointing to you.
Father, I pray that today we will recommit ourselves to the reading of the Word, to obeying your Word. Lord, as we take communion today, we remember the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, when He said, this is the body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, as we take communion, we're doing this in remembrance of you, what you've done for us on the cross. We remember the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, when he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in me. Every time you take it, remember me, remember me. Friends, as we take communion this morning, I want to bring you back to the cross. I want to take you back to that place where Jesus died on the cross, was crucified for us, for our sins. I want, to, I want you to see that the God that we serve is not a God that is distant from our pain. He's a God who came down and took our pain on the cross and experienced our pain on the cross. As we rededicate ourselves to Him and to the Word, may we remember the cross. When you are ready, please go ahead and partake of communion. May we all stand in the presence of the Lord. I'm going to lead us in benediction, and then after that, I have a few uh, announcements I need to give you, a few reminders. If you're comfortable, just raise your hand as a sign of receiving from the Lord. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift His countenance upon you and give you peace both now and forevermore. Amen. So with the blessing that we've received, let's go and bless others. I want to take time just to thank Belinda for laboring in the Word and preparing. Let's give her a round of applause. Thank you, Belinda. Thank you so much and for sharing so vulnerably.